From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Our text for this morning comes from the Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 11. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. These words show us that contentment is not a natural propensity of man. Ill weeds grow apace. Covetousness, discontent, and murmuring are as natural to man as thorns are to the soil. We need not sow thistles and brambles. They come up naturally enough, because they are indigenous to earth. And so we need not teach men to complain. They complain fast enough without any education. But the precious things of the earth must be cultivated. If we would have wheat, we must plow and sow. If we want flowers, there must be the garden, and all the gardener's care. Now contentment is one of the flowers of heaven, and if we would have it, it must be cultivated. It will not grow in us by nature. It is the new nature alone that can produce it, and even then we must be specially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace which God has sown in us. Paul says, I have learned to be content, as much as to say, He did not know how at one time. It cost him some pains to attain to the mystery of that great truth. No doubt he sometimes thought he had learned, and then broke down. And when at last he had attained unto it, and could say, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, he was an old gray-headed man upon the borders of the grave, a poor prisoner shut up in Nero's dungeon at Rome. We might well be willing to endure Paul's infirmities and share the cold dungeon with him if we too might by any means attain unto his good degree. Do not indulge the notion that you can be contented without learning or learn without discipline. It is not a power that may be exercised naturally, but a science to be acquired gradually. We know this from experience. Brother, hush that murmur, natural though it be, and continue a diligent pupil in the College of Content.
In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it.
This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns has been dealing with seven essential views of Christ, taking his text from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 29. In Peter's confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, we find a number of vital truths regarding Christ. First, He is the Christ, the Anointed One promised all through the Old Testament Scriptures. Next, He is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, equal in power and majesty to God the Father and to the Holy Spirit. The third view presents Christ as the foundation of His Church. As to the erection of the Church, the Lord Jesus made it clear that He is the Builder. Furthermore, Christ is the King of Grace— the keys he gives are the opening of the gospel which sets souls free. He is also the conqueror of death, the victor over the gates of hell. The final view of Christ is as the returning judge. He alone will evaluate the true worth of each person's life. Now Dr. Cairns will conclude this message, Seven Essential Views of Christ. Death of death and hell's destruction. That's the name that's given to Christ. He's the conqueror of death. I think of the words of D.L. Moody. When he said, when you hear that D.L. Moody is dead, do not believe it. Because I will never have been more alive in my life than at that moment. Christ has risen. And as Paul says, he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What is death for a believer now? It is the separation of body and soul, but it is not the separation of either body or soul from Christ. The separation of body and soul from Christ is the second death, which the Bible calls hell. Condemnation. But there's none of that for a Christian. When the body is lying in the grave, it is just sown as a seed, awaiting a glorious resurrection. And the soul is with Christ, which is very far better. Why? He's the conqueror of death. And then, verse 24 through 27, he is the returning judge. Here's where he brings his self-revelation to its great climax. Yes, he's the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. He's the foundation and the builder of the church, the King of grace, the sacrifice for sin, the conqueror of death. And he is the returning judge. Verse 27 speaks of that day when the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels and reward every man according to his works. Now that has immediate implications for all of us, and the Lord Jesus impresses these upon our hearts. Let me sum it up like this. If Jesus is coming again, and if he is the judge of all men, then it is imperative that we be his disciples. That's the teaching of this passage. Listen, he is the 
absolutely unavoidable Christ. I asked at the beginning, do you ever think of him? Do you give much thought to him? Do you give serious thought to him? Do you give any thought to your relationship with him? Perhaps you've got to say, not really. Well, now we come full circle. Because why for a moment men in their folly may dismiss him from their thoughts, the day is coming, whether through death or his appearing. You will not be able to dismiss him. You will not be able to avoid him. Think of him you will, and think of him you must. You must be his disciple. Now, there's a cost in discipleship. Jesus puts it very bluntly. You become my disciple, you lose your life. You give up your life. That's the cost. When he says, take up the cross, the cross is not a little golden emblem, a little piece of jewelry that you put in your lapel or hang around your neck. Abominable jewelry it is too, by the way. Imagine taking a gallows and making it into a bit of jewelry. That's sick. But that's what we have done. The Lord Jesus doesn't mean jewelry. He means death. Take up your cross. You give up your life. It is no longer what I want, but what he wants. No longer what the world thinks or says, but what he thinks or says. And I tell you, when you come to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, sold out to him. And by the way, that is the definition of a Christian. Let us bury forever this notion that you become a Christian with some easy decision that makes no change to your life, that's simply a verbal thing, something that is an expression of opinion or or a a belief of mind that doesn't affect your behavior. But while you you claim him as Savior, you deliberately reject him as the Lord of your life. Man, that is the devil's lie. Discipleship is being saved. And to be saved is to be a disciple. And the cost of discipleship is you lose your life. But the paradox is in losing it, you save it. I was thinking this morning, as I was preparing for this service, going through my morning psalm as the 34th psalm this morning the opening verses of that psalm my soul shall make her boast in the Lord and I got to thinking the only significance I have as a person the only significance my life can have is the significance that Christ gives it I'm a speck of animated dust in an almost endless universe. 
What significance is there to you or to me? What are we? What do, what do you amount to? What are all the things that you're pouring your time and attention, your energy into? What do they amount to? If you die tomorrow, you'd be soon dismissed from memory. The place that knows you now would know you no more forever. The only significance is the significance that Christ gives us to be chosen of him, called of him, redeemed by him, united to him, one with him in time, one with him for all eternity. Man, that means something. That's being saved. Jesus says, you be my disciple. may cost you in the eyes of the world, as it cost Peter to give up a boat. (laughs) To give up a boat for what? A boat that's long since rotted for a crown of glory that fadeth not away. What will cost? But the cost actually saves your life and it saves your soul. But you know, if there's a cost... In responding to the call of Christ, there's a greater cost in refusing it. For you lose your soul. And the question the Lord Jesus asks is, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? What would it profit you? How are you better off? What is it you you want in the world? Whether it is money, or pleasure, or position, or influence, or friends, what is it you want in the world? If you get it all, and you'll not, but say you get it all, What will it profit you if it costs your soul? Then he adds another question. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I've often pointed out to you that preachers normally take that to mean, what are you bartering your soul for? I don't think so. That's inherent in the first question. This question goes into eternity. Once you've lost your soul, what will you give to redeem it? And the answer is nothing. First of all, there's nothing you have to give. There's nothing you can ever get in order to give for your soul. And third, there's nothing that God will receive for your soul. What will you give in exchange for it? Once your soul is lost, it's lost forever. Christ is the returning judge. Now, I don't know when I'm going to meet the Lord, and I don't know when you're going to meet the Lord. But one thing I do know, we are going to meet him. 
Are you ready to meet him? Are you saved? And second, even if you are saved, are you serving him in the light of that judgment? Remember, as a young preacher going to take up the ministry in Dunmurray, outside Belfast, with some great prayer meetings in that little church, one thing that they used to pray there that stuck in my memory was that the Lord would give us judgment day honesty. Give us judgment day honesty. It's a good prayer. Don't let us fool ourselves. We are going to stand before him. Let us be as honest with ourselves today as we will be with our Lord on that day. Now these then are the essential elements in Christ's great self-disclosure. These are truths that are necessary to eternal salvation. Don't ask the world's opinion of Christ or the way to heaven, for it will always be wrong. You get with the Savior himself. What do you say about him? What are you doing with him? Remembering soon the question's going to be, what does he say about me? And what will he do with me? I trust today that you will confess him as he's revealed himself in this great passage of his word. That you'll be able to say, yes, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the builder. I'm only the stone, but he has put me into the church and into the temple of the living God. He's my sacrifice for sin. He's my mighty conqueror over death. He's my king of grace. He is my king of glory, for he is my coming Lord. I trust that's your testimony. If it's not, then make it so by making a beeline to Christ to take up the cross and follow him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let us all pray. Father in heaven, this morning we bless thee and praise thee for the wonders of thy grace, for the gift of thy Son, for the magnitude of the mercy of God in saving sinners, in putting us into Christ putting us as stones in the building that he calls my church. Our Father, we pray that thou wilt thrill the heart of every Christian. We pray that thou wilt set us on fire with the love of God and with the joy of service. Help us, Lord, be willing to lose all, whether it's reputation with the world or what the world thinks of as great opportunity, its riches, or its pleasures, or its pomp, or its position. Let us be willing to lose all in order that we may gain Christ and serve him and be used to bring others to him. Remember those who are not saved, those who have some empty decision some intellectual assent to the gospel that has never had an effect upon how they think or act or live 
who really have no great thought of Christ at all, God have mercy upon them and bring them today to know him. Hear our prayer and part us with thy very richest blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, be our abiding portion both this Sabbath day and evermore. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. <laughs> 